0: We've been dealing with endless lies, endless wars, endless inflation, endless printing, like literally endless oppression, you guys. Who is going to put an end to the endless, okay? So that is obviously taking self-custody of your Bitcoin, okay? Now, the second part of this is gonna be not so easy for everybody to say. You are going to (laughs) have to opt out of taxation at every level you can, okay? And this is because you need to not only store your energy, but you need to tell them no, okay? Because consent is energy, okay? Your energy consenting to tyranny gives them more power in a spiritual sense.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. so if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money i don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show now a little bit about this show and how it makes money what Is Money Show is 100% sponsor-based, so all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships, and I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well-aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C dot com. G-Money, welcome to the What Is Money show. Robert,
0: it's been a long time. I'm excited to be here and I'm fired
1: up. (laughs) I love to hear that. We're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff today. Uh, Really talking about Bitcoin as a digital counterinsurgency. And Bitcoin as a digital 1776, and this is a, a thesis that you originated. I think it's it's really interesting to ponder and talk about. And just by way of quick introduction, you are the host of Rug Pull Radio, and you're also the owner of a consultancy focused on Bitcoin self custody. So let's just dive in. <laughs> I don't exactly know where to begin, but I could just ask you a very broad question and let you take it from there. What has been happening over the past 100 years, um, I guess, in terms of monetary manipulation, uh, statism, psyops, what's going on? What brought us to 2023 and where are we today? Yeah, I'd love to start in the past and get like this overall
0: 40,000 foot view before we kind of get into the nitty gritty. And so, you know, humanity overall is good, right? But we've let our guard down for a very, very long time. And so, what we've allowed is we've allowed darkness to basically infiltrate and destroy us from within. Um, and so, we are now at this battle, right? We are we're fighting the greatest battle that we've ever fought uh, for the foundation of freedom, right? Mm. You know, are we going to be a free nation, um, or are we going to cede our rights to 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 liberty and to the enemy, right? Are we gonna Are we gonna give that up? Um, you know, all of us have a choice to make. This is probably one of the most important choices we have, and so. You know, only when we stand together though, right? When we are united, can we defeat this highly entrenched dark enemy? Like this is an invisible enemy that um, can only be defeated when we are united, right? And so, you know, their power and their control relies heavily on uneducated people, okay? Mm -hmm. A population that trusts without individual thought, Mm -hmm. Um, a population that obeys without challenge. And so a population that remains outside of free thought and remains isolated, living in fear, right in the closed loop chamber of these controlled mainstream media, um, you know, propaganda. And so, this isn't about politics, right? This has never been about politics. This is about preserving, right, our way of life and protecting the generations that follow. Right. Like full stop. Um, you know, I I do believe we're living in these biblical times, and we are, you know, kind of these children of light versus the children of darkness. And so. How do we unite against the invisible enemy of humanity, right? And so let's 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 start with let's start with the Titanic, okay? Let's just go back 100 years, right? And so there's some you know conspiracies about um, the people that were on the Titanic were actually very heavily opposed to the creation of the Federal Reserve. And so funny enough, the the Titanic sinks on April 15th, which is you may know is it eventually became tax day. Um, and so what happened after that? Well, Rothschild kind of screws over America made our money worthless. Uh, the creation of the Fed, 1913. And then the IRS also created the same year as the Fed, which is, you could call that a coincidence. And then what do we have right after that, right? We've got World War One, 1914. Um, then we get the crash of 29, right? The crash of 29. They usher in new government. But then also we get the reapportionment act of 1929, okay? And so what that is, right, that actually froze the number of Congress people that gave us representation. So our, our representation have been, has been diluted for over 100 years at this point, almost. And so if you think about that, our population keeps growing. However, our representation of our republic remains fixed. And so it's kind of like the opposite, you know, in terms of Bitcoin is how, you know, we're our, our, our freedoms are, are getting diluted by a very small group of people. Again, tons of new government comes into the into the play we've got, um you know uh the cia is blackmailing everyone sex tapes media consumed and so you know the country's actually forced hard left right they own the propaganda they own the the information tools uh population turns into puppets but you know there's certain uprisings like like kennedy like reagan and then like trump right they, they actually managed to kill kennedy and they they actually put a bullet in reagan he lived um you know, and you've got uh, you know JFK Executive Order eleven eleven zero, which was in fact to rein in the power of the Fed. Okay, so we tried, we attempted it. He was assassinated, right eleven twenty two, three and, months after that Executive Order, right? Yeah, and you know RFK actually confirmed it when you asked him about it on a Twitter Spaces. So you know, there's been a lot of um, you know confusion on what the, actually that Executive Order was. But in essence, you know, RFK kind of confirmed our suspicions and what what you fleshed out when you asked him that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got 1971, right? We've got the, uh, you know, the, the fiat standard we've got going off of gold, right? Then you've got 1982. Now, this is important because a lot of people like overlook this. But in 1982, Ronald Reagan actually put out Executive Order 12369. It's called the Grace Commission. Funny enough, it was, you know, he labeled it drain the swamp. But if you go back and look at that executive order and look at the um, essence of what that was, he goes and looks at the federal tax system. And in 1982, they they realized not one single penny of your tax dollars go towards public service. Okay. Mm -hmm. Actually, most of it goes towards interest on the debt, right? And like trying to collect and other stuff. And so, you know, 1982, if you think about it, none of that actually going towards public service. Think about where we're at now. I mean, none of our taxes are actually going towards public service. Um, and so enough lessons have been learned, possibly. and now we're finally ready to clean house. Um, and so it, it's almost like the first time in a hundred years, I feel we have a chance to finally fix the wrong of what's been happening for really, I mean, we're battling this thousand year old death cult, but you know, in essence of you know, keeping it realistic here, let's just kind of you know do that in the last hundred years. <laughs> yeah, really quick anyway,
1: yeah, so. The, I, I guess we would frame the enemy as the institution of central banking to generalize. Obviously, it gets a bit beyond that, as you mentioned, with the, the thousand year old uh, cult. So, and then this institution has basically used monetary, you know, arbitrary monetary supply inflation to tax people without representing, right? There's a taxation without representation, uh, which was yeah. one of the, one of the initial battle cries for the foundation of this country, obviously in, in the Boston tea party. Um, and I, I'm, I like how you said that it's not about politics and you've immediately reminded me of one of my favorite phrases, and this is the, the opening lyrics to a song by the police. The song is, uh, we are spirits in a material world and they say that there is no political solution to our troubled evolution have no faith in constitution there is no bloody revolution so it's like we've been trapped human history is this bloodbath right these cycles of mimetic vengeance and violence and we've been trapped in this and we keep thinking that you know violently overthrowing an existing power structure will fix things and I guess it has created some progress, right? Like we got the decentralization of the US Constitutional Republic through a bloody revolution. Right. But as we see today, the US empire is clearly in decline. So that's not a, a political solution to human freedom. I don't think there is a political solution. But now we have this apolitical money, right? A, a social institution that human beings cannot corrupt. And that seems to be a fundamental phase change in this entire uh sequence of events of history. So let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned the Titanic too. I guess I should just throw this out since we're going down the conspiracy rabbit holes. I, I, I can't I've just heard this. I don't I'm not attesting to its veracity. But there was that conspiracy going around when there was the recent sub that was exploring the Titanic. Right. That was that imploded ultimately, right? There were Cut off. Uh, Technical failure, the sub imploded. There was a conspiracy theory going around that that was going to be used to restrict any further exploration of the Titanic. Because apparently there was an explosion when the Titanic sank. Not hitting an iceberg, there was an explosion. And the, the theory goes that visual evidence would confirm that, right? That we would see the Titanic hull with blast patterns outward right there was a, a bomb or something on the Titanic and that would confirm that the Titanic was sank purposefully or intentionally rather than accidentally.
0: Um yeah look I mean JP Morgan right was supposed to be on that boat. Okay. Mm-hmm. He owned the Maritime Mercantile Corporation that built that boat. <laughs> right. And an hour before it took off he just miraculously said, you know what? I can't make it. And so Look, we're not going to speculate, but we're just going to say there's a lot of coincidences adding up to where you know JP Morgan ended up becoming a you know help create the Fed. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but you're right. Like, okay, I just wanted to ask you this question because a lot of conspiracy theorists get lambasted with this ephemeral term "they." Like I always say, "they do this, they do that." You know, the powers that be, et cetera. Can we try and just define? A little bit like who is they? What what are these forces of darkness? Uh, where where do we circumscribe they? Well, I think you can, you know, call
0: it or label it. Um, you know, you can label it the NWO, right? You can label it um these blood 13 bloodline cult families, right? That, you know, the CIA actually put out a an entire document on it not too long ago. And so what I think we have is an insurgency, right, that has been uh controlling our institutions our political governments our um you know our education systems big farm. now it sounds like a conspiracy right a couple years ago if i would have been talking about this stuff with you you've been like dude you're crazy like that's nuts but like now i think you know we are in this great awakening to where people are a little bit more open to the idea of wow what did this epstein island guy have and why are all these politicians going to his island you know, and so I believe there is an elite group of people, right, mm-hmm. that are controlling the levers of power through the banking system, right? Banks control governments. Governments control people. And if you control the money, right, you can control the entire world. But, right. you know, to, to kind of bring this back of, of what is inflation, right, th- this country was started on a taxable, right? Inflation is monetary manipulation. Inflation is taxation without representation. So how are we finally going to put an end to the endless in a way that is, is peaceful, right? I mean, there there needs to be a peaceful transition of power. This isn't uh, the military coming in to save us and basically, you know, protect all of us because we would have never learned anything from that. And so, you know, what I like to talk about, which I think goes under the radar of a lot of Bitcoiners is a gentleman by the name of John Perry Barlow. Okay. And so, you know, he's, he, he really didn't get into Bitcoin all that much, but you know, he wrote something called the Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace. And I want to just read a quick paragraph from that because I think it's really important for people to understand, right? And so by John Perry Barlow, um, he starts with, Governments of the industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel. I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind. On behalf of the future, I ask you of the past to leave us alone. You are not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather, okay? Um, you know, we have no elected government, nor are, nor are we likely to ever have one. So I address you with no greater authority than that with which liberty itself will always speak. I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies you seek to impose on us. You have no moral right to rule us, nor do you possess any methods of enforcement we have true reason to fear. And so, look, it goes on um, and into more of that. But you know, what I really want to help bitcoiners get to the to the other side of is like, you know, we don't have to negotiate anymore. Okay, we have a technology. We don't have to compromise. We shouldn't be looking at everything through the fiat lens of ETF approvals and government approvals and stuff. We we no longer need their their approval or their. Um, you know, acceptance into this new cyberspace realm that we have now powered empower the individual with. Um, and so what I'd like to do is, is, is go through some of my open source intel, like research, that maybe point to some kind of greater plan happening with Bitcoin. Maybe it wasn't so random, right? Maybe the Satoshi Nakamoto person, um, you know, or entity is a little bit bigger in the whole context of things to where we should take a step back um, and really maybe see what else is going on over here.
1: Fascinating. So you're equating then Bitcoin, uh, basically, so we, the, the excerpt you just read, the author declaring the internet as a neutral territory where individuals are sovereign governments have no sovereignty. Uh, Bitcoin is essentially, uh, the latest protocol layer of the internet, right? The internet, a stack of open source protocols for moving information without permission. Now we have Bitcoin as the latest layer that lets us move economic value or purchasing power around the world without permission. And that is a very effective countermeasure to government tyranny. Because as you said, if you can control money, you can control people. Now we have money that cannot be controlled. So in theory, we have people that can resist that control by using a new form of money. So Bitcoin as this declaration of independence in cyberspace, can you decompose that a bit? What is what is the declaration of independence for those that don't know, and why is Bitcoin a declaration of independence in cyberspace? People need to understand governments,
0: <laughs> governments only get their power, okay? From our consent, right? Okay. And so that is a very like important thing to understand. We consent, right? We institute governments to secure rights of our of, of, to secure our rights. However, their power comes from our consent. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a legitimate government cannot exist until the people have given their consent permission to be ruled by it. Okay. And so what you have now is you have people consenting to tyranny. Now, you know, without, you know, getting too crazy, I mean, we're in a system now to where we have a dementia patient in the White House who is sniffing children, kissing his own, you know, relatives on the lips, which is, you know, there's just, it's like the emperor has no clothes. And so people need to understand that we have the power. We were given the perfect weapon to wield that is non-kinetic, that is peaceful. And we in cyberspace have no authority. Like they have no authority over us, and so when you get into this, I would even suggest that the internet was specifically built for Bitcoin. (laughs) You know, if you want to go that that far into the um, equation, like literally, the entire plan of the internet was to eventually get us to Bitcoin. And so we've had enough technology over the years to where now we have this this power system in cyberspace that not only was delivered to the people first, right? Governments and institutions have the last seven percent to go after at this point, in some degree. Um, but you know, there is some information that I have that may point to this bigger plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if we talk about biblical times, right, you talk about the Bible and let's just, let's just bring up a quote, right? And so, you know, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, you know, money itself is um, is not evil. However, the love of money transitions us into incentives for money, right? And so you could say, right, money, there is, you know, the love of money is is the fiat system is, is corrupt at its very core, okay? And so what I wanted to bring into the picture is some interesting coincidences to where we have certain things happen. And so funny enough, I think we should just maybe just get into this. Um, the US government in 2009, January of 2009, put out a document on counterinsurgency. Okay. So United States government put out a um, interagency counterinsurgency initiative. Okay. And this is just a guide that was put out, funny enough, in January 2009. Okay. So January 2009, which we well know is the same month and year of the Genesis block. Okay. And so if you take counterinsurgency at its just explanation of of what it is, counterinsurgency, right, the definition may be defined as a comprehensive civilian and military efforts taken to simultaneously defeat and contain insurgency and address its root causes. Okay. So counterinsurgency, simultaneously defeat and contain insurgency. Okay. Now, In the context of special operations forces, right? Special operations, JFK put this division together. Counterinsurgency is actually abbreviated as COIN. So the government agency put the abbreviation of this guide as COIN, funny enough, okay? Another irregular warfare activity by these special operations forces Mm -hmm. is counter threat finance, okay? And so we know bits of information is just digital, okay? And we know the definition of COIN per the US government is counterinsurgency, mm. so Bitcoin perhaps is a digital counterinsurgency operation meant to address the root causes of political corruption, aka fiat money. Mm. And so, I'm just going to put these in- interesting coincidences together to help possibly build, you know, some people's mosaic of information to figure out if these pieces make sense to them. And so, um, you know, after. Uh, Trump was defeated by Biden, right? A couple of days after, there's this gentleman named Chris Miller who was in the Secretary of Defense, and he wrote about irregular warfare and and you know he he helped issue in the counter threat financing coinman, okay. Um, and you know before we get into some of this stuff as well, like let's define insurgency, okay? Because insurgency, you know, to to if if we're counter insurgents, like what is the actual insurgency, okay? And so. There's multiple definitions of insurgency. There's political, there's military, there's all these different kinds. However, um, the department, actually the CIA <laughs> in January 20th of 2011, put together a guide for the analysis of insurgency. And funny enough, one of them is politically organized insurgency that talks about the objective is a shadow government created to undermine authority of existing and political consolidation that precedes military uh, areas, okay? And so this talks about this shadow government. And, you know, if I would have brought this up again a few years ago, everybody would have thought it was crazy. But now, maybe, you know, there is some kind of man behind the curtain. Um, But insurgency is primarily a political competition for legitimacy. Okay, this is important, okay? Because counterinsurgency... Insurgency, they're battling over legitimacy. Mm. Okay. And so if we if we talk about legitimacy, can we get back to consent of the government? Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you understand legitimacy, right? That is a battle. This is an information warfare, right? You have the propaganda arm of the mainstream media battling for legitimacy. Hey, this vaccine is good for you. Hey, we need to go to war. Hey, we need to print more money. Right. They are they are trying to attempt to tell you they are legitimate right by just repeating the same thing over and over and over again um and so when you talk about these shadow governments that only levers of control and you talk about insurgency um you know there was a gentleman that talked about shadow government or secret societies and you know that gentleman was was JFK you know he talked about um you know how how secret societies are apparent to to a free and open society um You know, and, you know, we'll just take the Wikipedia definition of a shadow government, right? The shadow government, cryptocracy, secret government, or invisible government is a family of theories based upon notion that real and actual political power resides not only with publicly elected representatives, but with private individuals who are exercising power behind the scenes beyond the scrutiny of democratic institutions. According to this belief, the official elected government is subservient to the shadow government, which is the true executive power.
1: Um, look, I, I dumped a lot right there, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me ask you some things. So, the internet, as I understand it, was built by DARPA. Uh, correct, correct me where I'm wrong. There, I'm not 100 percent sure. And it, so, are you? Are you saying then that the that the internet was constructed with Bitcoin in mind, like as we were trying to build foundational layer to get to Bitcoin? I just
0: think that's something people should put in their minds. Uh, I'm not necessarily claiming that, but I think there's a high correlation that, um, you know, we've look. Everybody in our military isn't bad, okay. Everybody in our military isn't good, but for bitcoiners and other people in general to label everybody in the military, everybody in the in the power structure bad, is a um, you know it, it doesn't pass the the polarity test, right? Like not everybody is evil. There are a lot of good people out there too, okay. There are good people in the essence of JFK, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump. Like these are people who have been fighting for individual rights. And so, if you go back and look at that, you know maybe there are some people that knew about this plan of the central bank digital currency, mm. right? Maybe they forethought the game, the gamed out this this perspective of how are we going to fully control people when our financial system fails? Because inevitably, they know it will fail at some point. They know the fiat currency at some point will fail. And so, um, but again, you know, how do we defeat this entrenched enemy, right? How do we defeat this dark, invisible enemy um, that has been around for a very, very
1: long time? If you are a business owner or manager, you should know these three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down costs. And finally, one, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system, with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance, absolutely free, at netsuite.com whatismoney. That's netsuite.com whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com whatismoney. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology icoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet looks like a mini iphone a little touch screen and camera on it Uh, the device has no wi-fi no cellular connection no gps it's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet Uh, like i said it's got a high res three inch touch screen it's got a camera for air gapping the wallet Uh, it's got optional bluetooth compatibility and it's a really a, a brand new UI, UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Yeah. and. If, yeah. Let me ask you something else about that too. So you mentioned the, the 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 Bible verse, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, obviously, money is power, right? It is in terms of political power, right? It also has some rooting in physical power. This is a question we get into a lot. You know, Jason Lauer's thesis kind of connects the dots on this a little bit, that money is a form... of it has uh, its basis, it's a, it's a tool for exerting political power, but it's sort of rooted in physical power, right? You need proof of work to produce money, that's why gold was an effect of money, that's why Bitcoin's an effect of money. So if money is power, then the love of money is the love of power, right? So we're saying this is kind of the evil, again, not pointing to any individuals per se, but almost like the Solzhenitsyn view, right? That the line between good and evil runs down the heart of every man, that there's this uh, evil potential in all of us. And if we start to love money or power above loving one another, then we tilt, we, we shift that line, right? We move more into the evil side of, of being human. And this reminds me of, I think, um, I think this may have been Bob Marley, he said, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, mankind will know peace. And so perhaps this counterinsurgency, which again, as you defined, insurgency versus counterinsurgency as a battle for legitimacy, this is the uh, ideological struggle, I guess, over what the controlling narrative will be, right? Is it top down, uh, you know, political power being exerted and imposed on a population? Or is this going to be the counterinsurgency of people being self-sovereign, self-directing, et cetera. So what what is it about Bitcoin that can shift us away from the power of love towards uh, I'm sorry, shift us towards the power of love rather than the love of power. Yeah, and, and you you framed that pretty well. And so, you
0: know, Bitcoin debases the state. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the state is always attempting to do what they think is best for you right but in essence they're doing what's in best for themselves right mm-hmm. they're taking to consolidate and protect their own power versus protecting our rights mm-hmm. and so bitcoin is that ultimate weapon of power but you know in this battle right incentives matter okay and so i believe we're in this spiritual battle this isn't just a a you know a, a battle of wits this is a spiritual battle and i believe us rebel souls that are being pulled out in this natural selection process right? People maybe find that arrogant, but Bitcoiners are being pulled out of this matrix, okay? Mm-hmm. And our incentives are aligned with helping others. Like, you know, I, I, Bitcoiners are the greatest people on the planet, right? Because they are always looking to help another person and they're always looking to educate them on how we remove like, you know, the the, the the illusion of the fiat system, right? And so their power comes from the dollar, which at this point is just a belief system, right? It's a legitimate belief system. But do we believe in the legitimacy of the dollar? Well, that's based upon the propaganda of the mainstream media. And so how do we delegitimize the dollar, right? Well, Bitcoin delegitimizes the dollar. Bitcoin is legitimate. Battle of legitimacy. Bitcoin is truth. Bitcoin is freedom versus, you know, this other thing over here that just gets printed ad nauseum that steals energy from us. And so, you know,
1: that's a whole whole picture of, of what, what we're fighting here, I think. And then how does the coin, can you revisit the coin manual? What is this document? What was the purpose of this document? When was it produced? And how does this fit into the Bitcoin counterinsurgency narrative? Right, so this thing was put out by the US government in January of 2009, okay? And really, it talks about how, sorry January uh, 2009 so that's January also, 2009 the date of the Genesis block right correct correct and so obviously timing <laughs> very interesting timing and so you know
0: they're not gonna obviously if this is a covert operation they're not going to come out and say this is obviously about Bitcoin right but let's just let's just say it's a it's a coincidence right there's that coin term again coincidence it's all mathematics hmm. but you know the comprehensive approach to a counterinsurgency is is information security and economics you know, that funnels into a political strategy that equals total control. And if you think about Bitcoin, well, it's information, it's security, and it's economic. And at the end of it, it all pulls in a political strategy, but it's apolitical, right? And so what you find is this control structure being able to be broken up. um, But this is just a guide, okay? This was just a guide put out. Now, funny enough, okay? If we get to, um, you know, we get to 2000, actually, before we get to that, I want to put a couple of the things out um, because I think it's important to understand another component of, you know, people, okay, G-Money, like you've got this coin manual. That's pretty cool. But like, what else? Like, is there something more to your, to to some of the research you've been doing? And so let's just bring up um, a general um, who talked about Bitcoin back in 2015. He said, Bitcoin, the rise of digital currency may be a matter of evolutionary destiny Understand it because it will happen. And so this was put out by I General Flynn on February 1st, 2015. Now, I believe in dates as being very significant. For those that don't know, February 1st is National Freedom Day, right? It's um, the date honoring the signing of the 13th Amendment to the US Constitution that abolished slavery. Um, And so if you think about Freedom Day, right, they're literally saying like, hey, you guys are all slaves in a prison. You can't touch, taste or smell, but you don't know it yet because, um, you know, you're stuck in this fiat system. You're stuck in this illusion. And so a few months later, the Department of Defense puts out a law of war manual. Again, all this stuff is open source information. Anybody can go look up the law of war manual put out by the Department of Defense in June of 2015. Okay. And so I know you know about um you know JFK 11 you know 11110 um you know so funny enough chapter 11 talks about military occupation okay chapter 11 section 11.22 specifically calls out wartime currency <laughs> mm-hmm. okay so I want to go through some of the points of 11.22 in this Department of Defense law of war manual this isn't me talking this is the mail. so I like to look at everything from a, a game Theory, military perspective in this battle we're fighting. And so 1122, public finances and taxes, okay? The occupying power may leave the local currency of the occupied area in circulation. The occupying power may also authorize domestic authorities to reissue currency if necessary for ensuring public order and safety. The occupying power may introduce its own currency into the occupied area or issue special currency for use in the occupied er area territory should the introduction of issuance of such currency be necessary. Hmm. Okay. The issuance of occupation currency may be necessary to counteract the enemy's state practice of engaging in economic sabotage. Hmm. (laughs) The occupying power may also set exchange rates for currency. Occupying power's powers to regulate currency must not be used to confiscate private property. And then the last part here is, for example, intentional debasement of currency by the establishment of fictitious valuation or exchange rates or like devices, as well as failure to take reasonable steps to prevent inflation with the result of enrichment of the occupying power would violate international law. (laughs) We have a Department of Defense law of war manual saying inflation violates international law um, and again this is put out 11.22 we all know jfk was assassinated 11.22 um it is chapter 11 i believe in the power and magic of certain numbers we can get it out a separate thing but um you know i can give us some examples of of war currency that's happened um over time too right and so during our own revolutionary war the continental congress issued currency for the use in british territory occupied by the colonial troops before the Declaration of Independence. The rebel government of the Confederate States issued a war currency, which, as we've seen, was held valid by the Supreme Court of the United States. Moreover, the United States and her allies in World War II issued occupation currency in Sicily, Germany, and Austria. The combined chief of staffs of the Supreme Allied Commander issued direct uh, Directive June 24, 1943. Um, but besides regular U.S. coins, yellow sealed dollars, and Besides regular British coins, British military authority notes to supplement Lear currency, and so, um, if we are in this battle, this battle is not an American battle. This battle is not a European battle. This battle is not an Asian. This is a worldwide battle, right? We've got the Federal Reserve, the IMF, the BIS, right? The 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 uh, BOJ, the um, you know Bank of England, BOE, and so this is this is everywhere, and so if you think about. How do you fight a war with an entrenched enemy that is literally everywhere and the only way to save it is for humanity to basically take their power back? Um, and so I think it begs the question of what is really going on with Bitcoin behind the scenes? Now, not only was the coin guide put out, okay, it was just a guide, okay? It was just a guide that was put out. However, in 2018, um, Joseph Dunford, right, made COIN a doctrine, okay, so he actually converted the guide into an actual doctrine, Secretary of Defense, Um, this is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, (laughs) COIN becomes a doctrine, it, like, gets legs to actually become, um, you know, an implemented uh, military strategy, and so, you know, I just find all of this very interesting, Again, I'm not claiming anything. I'm just saying, hey, guys, we should probably look at this and probably wake up because, um, you know, we are at battle against an infinite player. I don't know if you played the games back in the day, right, of like the Nintendo, and there was this thing called the Game Genie. And if you stuck the Game Genie, right, on a, on, a, on a game, you could like fly all over the place, kill everybody. You could basically do whatever you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the central bankers are this Game Genie. They have the infinite power to basically do whatever they want. And all they care about is continuing the game. They don't, you know, they just want the game to continue, right? The infinite player versus the finite player, right? We get into this game theory aspect of it. And so the infinite player, they just want to keep, keep the game going. Mm-hmm. However, Bitcoin, right, has changed the central bankers from an infinite player to a finite player. Mm-hmm. The infinite player, the central bankers now have a clock. They have to defeat Bitcoin by a certain point where they lose forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin puts the clock on their infinite player strategy. They can no longer use the infinite player. They have to do whatever they can, printing money, doing wars, uh, propagating lies, COVID, right? All this stuff to try and beat d- Bitcoin. And so here we are um, in this game. And, you know, I think a lot of Bitcoiners still think they can negotiate with tyrants. <laughs> um, you cannot vote or negotiate your way out of this. Look, I wish it was that easy. I I, I wish we could just vote and just, and just move on from this, but I don't believe it's going to be that simple. I believe we have to stop looking at everything through a fiat lens and trying to shove Bitcoin into ETFs and shove Bitcoin into this, this fiat lens of the world. And we need to go out and, and create our own new world, guys. This is our space. We've been given a sovereign territory. With no rulers, just rules, that we can go create. So why are we trying to negotiate? We don't. Ha- we have the high ground. We have no, no incentive to negotiate, because we know what they've done to us for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a movement of the people, Robert. Mm-hmm. This has always been a movement of the people. And um,
1: yeah, I, I put a lot out there. So yeah, I, I I agree positive. with that. I agree with that. Loudly. <laughs> um. That's one of the components of my mission statement is Bitcoin is a humanitarian movement to undermine and subvert the greatest con in human history, which is the central bank, right? The idea that money needs to be centrally planned, controlled, manipulated, counterfeited at scale for the good of society, right? To dampen the business cycle, to stabilize prices, all of these really nonsensical things when you start to peel back the layers and you get into Austrian economics and you realize actually it's the debasement of money or the counterfeiting of currency that drives the business cycle. Uh, the stabilization of prices is a farce, right? Prices are just exchange ratios that move in the marketplace all the time based on supply and demand. Price stability is just, it's an illusion. And so in this, in this, picture you're painting are bitcoiners then the the occupying power that we we've occupied this new digital sovereign space and that we've we are doing that through this insurgent technique that you described from the manual that we're basically issuing our own money right it's um our own money to take back control and you mentioned too that i think it was in section eleven twenty two that there should be an inability to violate private property and that inflation itself was antithetical to international law. I mean, there is no money that does that other than Bitcoin. I guess you could argue physical gold, but physical go- the limitations of physical gold is what got us into the fiat currency fiasco exactly. place, right? It has to be centralized to scale as a monetary technology. And when you centralize gold in one place you and you go from full reserve to fractional reserve to zero reserve fiat right the the corruption sort of coalesces around that concentration of power so is is bitcoin it's almost like a checkmate i guess on the notion <laughs> of fiat itself right this this idea of we can con- some people can control other people by decree and that does not that that is also antithetical to the reality of each of us being self owned, self controlled, self directed. So when you say, I guess Bitcoin is the tool we are using as this occupying power in this new territory, is this effectively the ultimate level playing field? Like what you, humans have always been striving towards how do we, you know, consent by the governed, uh, equality in the eyes of the law, you know, the sovereignty of the individual is intended to be the cornerstone of the state in the West, right? Where the sovereignty of the individual is superordinate to the sovereignty of the state, but we've never been able to realize those ideals because they've always just been scribbles on a piece of paper. But now we have this actual technological implementation and incentive structure that promotes that ideal and instantiates that ideal in a way that no scribbles on paper ever could. As you said, rules, not rulers, um, there's also been this theory of a rules based order globally. All right, that's what the United States was supposed to be on top of, but as we've seen, these rules continually get broken, twisted, changed to favor to favor those that can um, against those who cannot. So is that yeah? Look, yeah, what uh, Bitcoin is like? It's an ultimate level playing field, and then if it was, is is it has it been? Who, what is this movement? What is it? So, these are people that maybe see the shadow government for what it is, and they've subtly introduced something that undermines and subverts the, the possibility of shadow governance itself. Yeah, look, th- there's only one way through
0: this, okay, which is a permissionless, immutable system, okay, because we've been captured by incrementalism, right? Every time something gets captured incrementally, They increase their grip on us, right? Oh, well, you know, we need need a tax for that. Oh, you know, we need to increase the taxes on that. Oh, you know what? You need a license for this. Oh, you know what? You need something for that. And so at every step of the way, they have captured us and they incrementally make it worse every year. Okay. And with the system of Bitcoin, it erases all of that. It debases their power structure. It debases their incrementalism because you can't have it both ways. Right. And so at the end of this, like, we don't need an IRS, right? Taxation is a farce. Taxation is a form of control. Okay. However, we have to understand that and take the power back. Right. A lot of people are very timid. They're, they're, they're shy. They're afraid. But, you know, as RFK said, like, isn't there things that are worse than dying? Isn't there things that are worse than being in prison? And so we need to realize we have the power as the people, right? This is a movement of the people. This is power. This is essentially the ultimate transfer of power back to we, the people. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is this is the, the constitution on super, super steroids um, mm-hmm. that it has nuclear capability, and nothing can stop it. And so, you know, I like to, as you went back to that police thing, but, you know, there is no political solution to a financial revolution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are destroying them block by block without firing a shot. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, I like to put all this into this, you know, um, you know, thing to where, you know, Bitcoin is an information system. Bitcoin is a communications tool. Bitcoin is a store of value. Bitcoin is a currency. Bitcoin is a set rule of law. Bitcoin is a weapon. But Bitcoin is a declaration of independence in cyberspace for everyone. So declare your freedom. <laughs> but funny enough, okay, now this, this all sounds really good, G, but like, how do we revolt against the powers that be, right? And a lot of this is abstract thinking, right? A lot of this is like, we fear what's in the media because it's constantly put on us. However, funny enough, there was this uh, report put together by um, Chinoweth who looked up nonviolent protests over a long period of time. Okay. And, you know, so Many people that are probably listening to this are like, this guy's crazy. I I want nothing to do with him, but I'm not looking for the sheep. <laughs> I'm looking for the lion, right? Because the sheep aren't going to do this. It takes strong men to build the bridge to get across. And so the masses will come once we've built that bridge and once we've, we've been emboldened with the the powerful string, strong men mm. that'll bring us there. And so um, what does this say? Well, this study talks about how you only need 3.5, of a society to peacefully revolt against the powers that be. Okay. So what does that mean? That means you are every peaceful revolution almost in history has been 100% successful with only 3.51% of the population. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't need everybody. We don't need everybody in this battle. We only need that 3.51%. Once we get to that threshold, um, there's really nothing they can do to stop us at that point. If we all got up tomorrow and said, hey, guess what? We're going to stop paying taxes. We're going to stop filing our taxes. What are you going to do, right? It's the ultimate FU. you. not only that, it's game theory. If you go lock me up for not paying my taxes, I'm just going to hold on my Bitcoin longer. Up, I get free room and board. <laughs> I get to hang out and whatever. Like It's not ideal, obviously. But once we get to this threshold, there there's no, nothing they can do to stop us. And so, three point five percent is that um, threshold of active engagement that success is deemed to be guaranteed. Um, and if we get even a higher level of support, it's
1: it's you know it, it's already done. Um, is that three point five percent? Is this? Do you think this is a percentage of global population holding Bitcoin, or is this a percentage of global cash balances held in Bitcoin? that's that's what i don't know i think it's more of
0: about a self-custody possibly thing if we can get 3.5 percent of people to self-custody their bitcoin and refuse to um you know play by their rules right refuse consent of their tyranny um you know we we have nothing to lose at this point like at you know you could have said five years ago we weren't there yet And i agree with you okay a few years ago we were not there at all but now we are um we are well past the beyond of where we can take our power back. Um, and again, the 3.5% threshold, um, is something that's been studied. This is, you know, this is something that, um, you know, I, I can, again, this article is out there. It's on the BBC. Um, and it just, it says the 3.5% rule how small minority can change the world. And so we are changing the world in a nonviolent way. Um, because again, we don't have access to F 16s. We don't have access to, you know, we're not going to kinetically go against our military. That's just insanely stupid, right? And doesn't make sense. Civil war doesn't make sense. However, the military isn't going to come to everyone's door and ask for their seed phrase, right? Like that's an impossible world to where um you know people need to really think about what it means to be a Bitcoiner. Are you going to um consent? Are you going to file against a voluntary system that is meant to rob and steal from you? Or are you going to take power back yourself and refuse the tyranny? Okay, now this isn't easy for everybody to understand. I get, I'm, I'm attempting to move the Overton window here because um, we need to do this. Okay, we are the Minutemen. We are the revolutionaries, right? In the revolution, the military didn't step in and defeat Great Britain, right? It was a bunch of farmers that shot the first couple of shots and said, hey, guess what? Your tax, uh, we're not going to pay it anymore. This country was built on tax revolt. Bitcoin is a tax revolt for the entire world. Okay bitcoin debases the state at every level and you're either on part of that program or you're not and so again i don't i'm not looking for the sheep i'm looking for the lions i'm looking for those that are ready to take the battle directly to the bankers doorsteps because we're not fighting governments we're fighting bankers at the end of the day and instead of the bankers right doing the bubble doing the um you know doing the reset doing the wars and repeating that sent repeating that sequence over a long period of time We're gonna change that and we're gonna take the battle directly to the bankers.
1: Yeah, this uh the three point five percent reminds me of the minority rule, which which Taleb wrote about, I think in his book Anti Fragile, but there's a lot of instances where the preferences of an obstinate minority can impose their preferences on a uh a majority, you know, like so long as the majority is a little bit agnostic. You know that he gives the example of halal meat, right? There's like four percent of people that will only eat halal meat. Um, I hope halal is the right term, or was it kosher? Halal or kosher? Same thing. Yet ninety six percent of the meat produced in the area he studied was halal, because the other, the majority actually doesn't care. They don't care if it's halal or kosher or not. So the fact that this small minority I was very obstinate in their preference. It led to the ma- the vast majority of meat being produced according to their preference. Um, he gives several other examples, but th- this is really what has moved the over window historically. Right? It's the preferences of a very motivated and obstinate few that get Im- impre- impressed on the majority. And it seems like, you know, Bitcoin has this fixed rule set. So it's, it's like the ultimate form of obstinacy in a way. You can't even change it if you wanted to. So if you just get the right threshold, the critical mass of adoption, um, I would lean more towards cash balances. I think today Bitcoin is, is roughly 0.5% of global cash balances. And so I think that probably that 3.5, Taleb gives the numbers like two to 4%. When you get to that, say two to 4% number, that's when this minority rule starts to kick in and Bitcoin will will really accelerate in its monetization.
0: Yeah, look, you know, Mark Twain, right, had a famous quote and he said, In the beginning of change, the patriot is a scarce man and brave and hated and scorned. When his cause succeeds, the timid join him, for then it costs nothing to be a patriot. So, yeah, like I said, the strong men need to build this bridge of this peaceful revolution because the timid are never going to join us, right? The timid, they're scared. They love their chains. They would rather be controlled, right? Than stand up for freedom. And so we need to flip that script. Bitcoiners need to delete this charge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know this sounds this sounds great to everybody, but people still want more information. Why, G, do you come up with some of these things on 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 where your where your thesis comes from? And so we're gonna go to 2017 because 2017 right now is is an is was a crazy year. Okay. And so the first thing I'm gonna say before I introduce this topic is. I'm going to go for a quote from Wayne Dyer, who says, the highest form of ignorance is when you reject something you don't know anything about. (laughs) Okay. I've been studying this topic for over six to seven years. Okay. There was a anonymous person (laughs) in 2017 that started to drop information on 4chan and 8chan by the entity known as Q. Okay. Okay. And so for those that don't know what Q is, Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. You may notice my hat has a 17 on it, right? But for those that don't know, a Q-level clearance, okay, is a um, access to authorization is the highest um, security clearance within the Department of Energy, okay? Top secret restricted data, formally restricted data and national security information, as well as secret restricted data, um, as defined as the atomic... Atomic Energy Act of 1954 covers nuclear weapons and related materials. Okay, so I'm just giving you some context of what Q or Q-level clearance might possibly perhaps uh, meet. Okay. And so currently, the information that we're chosen to um, consume, right? 90% of our media is in with six corporations. Okay. 232 media executives control the information of 277 million Americans, <laughs> 300 million Americans. Okay. So if you think about that, we have a consolidation of media, a centralization of media. Okay. And so what this entity did, Q, some people call it Q and people are already going to be like, oh my gosh, Reed loves having the Q guy on. Yes. Okay. But we need to talk about this because this is just information that nobody still knows who this anonymous person is. Okay. Um, but the information it contained was very powerful. And so if you were going to take down a centralized media organization, you would need to decentralize information and how it got out to the people. Okay. This entity would drop Socratic questions on these chat boards that were timestamped, that were digitally verified, that were um signed. And you know, the the entity mentioned timestamps as being a very important thing. Um, some people call bitcoins, some people call them stamps right? You, coin is just an abstract term for whatever, you know, we want to call it and you could call it stamps. Mm-hmm. And so, um, how do we break up the mainstream media into, um, you know, de- decentralizing that? Well, again, this information would get dropped on these 8chan and 4chan boards. Okay. And, um, anons, right? Like people like us would just go in and find out what the information was. They would ask, you know, what is the NWO? What is the, um, you know, why is the Federal Reserve um, a privately owned com- a company sitting on its own very patch of lead and immune to US laws. Um, so it would just ask all these random questions. And, you know, we would go out and search up the information online and we'd post about it. And so if you think about it, these things were done almost similar to like a Bitcoin system to where we were kind of the nodes. They would put these breads in these different, um, they, they were living like chat subjects and a bread would actually compile all the information. And at the top, at the end, it would like take the most relevant information that made sense and it would post it at the end and be like, this is what makes sense. Now it wasn't, you know, um, perfect in that sense. A lot of people had differing views, but you know what it basically told us was that, like, hey, maybe there's a pedophile elite shadow government that controls everything through blackmail. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and look, don't take my word for it, right? I'm not trying. Look at Satoshi. If you don't get it or don't understand it, I don't have the time right now to, to explain it to you. But I'm saying is, Hugh was listed as one of the 25 most influential people in Time Magazine, (laughs) okay? 15 of us on Twitter, we were getting over a billion impressions per month before we were all kicked off, okay? And so like this happened, I'm sure everybody's heard of this anonymous individual. However, if you were going to introduce and propagate this war, how would you get past the mainstream media? You would have to go around that system in any way possible to get information out to the people That goes against the narrative okay not only did we get out information on different subjects like banking like big pharma like you know certain politicians and epstein island and you know all this crazy you know conspiracy stuff right um but it introduced the idea of memetic warfare okay which i think a lot of bitcoiners still maybe don't understand but Military memetics are a very important piece of getting around the mainstream media. So, funny enough, you know, DARPA, (laughs) again, actually did some definitions of what is a meme, right? And so, you know, the meme origin, you probably know it comes from, um, you know, Richard Dawkins' The Selfish Gene, a book written in 1976. And, you know, it defined it as a self reproducing and propagating information structure. Anal- analogous to uh, a gene in biology. And so what happens is is you get these trending memes and they just propagate and they they explode and they, they, they make certain connections in your mind that is unable to be done through words, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is a subset of neurocognitive warfare, a revolutionary tool in the information war, okay? It can provide coherent scientific approach for information operations Psycholo- psychological warfare and general war against terrorists um, it can prevent or mitigate irrational conflict reduce the probability of war so you have these memetics that were put out and you know one of them was Pepe the Frog <laughs> funny enough um, but funny enough the purpose of military memetics one of the things is to develop a new approach to countering terrorists and insurgents before they become terrorists and insurgence influencing beliefs in a scientific way, so it actually has an insurgency <laughs> um, hit in the DARPA files to where they're they're looking at what is military memetics. Um and so you know what is an example of of a meme like it's 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 contagious information pattern right, and it replicates by parasitically infecting human minds and altering their behavior, causing them to propagate the pattern individual slogans, catchphrases, melodies, icons, inventions, fashions are all memes. And so what you have is the meme of Bitcoin. You have the meme of Pepe, you have the meme of all these different influencers putting out that are literally an attack vector against centralized, weaponized media in a decentralized way because of how these images actually work. And so I would say that the war. Of Bitcoin to go mainstream went live with the election of Donald Trump. Okay. Now I'm gonna probably get a lot of flack for that too, because not a lot of people like Donald Trump in the Bitcoin space, but a lot of Bitcoiners are very emotional. People need to get over their emotions. Emotions is what decompartmentalizes you, right? It 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 it, it, it I'm sorry, emotions compartmentalize you into these, um, into these categories and boxes to where you can't expand your thinking. And so people need to, you know. Trump's election caused a visceral reaction with a lot of people. Trump was the chaos in the controlled controlled matrix that we lived in. He was the wrench thrown into their machine that all of a sudden everybody had an opinion on. Okay, Now, why do I say this? Well, for one, there's proof in the power of Bitcoin. If you look at the actual hash graph of Bitcoin, when the hash rate actually takes off, you know, it's after when Trump comes into office and then after when Space Force gets initiated, okay? Mm. Now, a lot of Bitcoiners don't know it was actually Trump. Again, this isn't political, all right? right? This isn't political. I'm just pointing out facts. Trump and his treasury secretary hired a gentleman by the name of Brian Brooks. Okay, during COVID, people don't understand that it was Steve Mnuchin who hired Brian Brooks that actually made it legal for banks to custody Bitcoin in the United States that was not um, that was not accessible before before that happened and Trump did think this gentleman did such a great job. He actually hired him for another term for a full term because he was a temporary hire but uh, the Congress did not um you know did not uh, actually confirm him but again it was already too late. Bitcoin was established it was legal and Steve Mnuchin, Brian Brooks made Bitcoin legal for banks to custodian It happened all the way back in 20 I think it was 20. 2018, 2019. I forget. Um, anyways, so again, um, getting kind of more into this, we get into Space Force. Now, what is Space Force, (laughs) right? Everybody thinks Space Force is maybe, you know, maybe it's outer space, maybe it's cyberspace, right? What, what exactly, um, is this new entity that Trump created? But we do know there is a definite, um, you know, uh, you know, correlation between the hash rate and space force getting established. Okay. Whatever that means. Okay. Um, you know, and I think a lot of Bitcoiners are not interested in war. <laughs> right. And that's that's great. I I don't I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't want war. I don't I don't think we should be in these wars for a long time. I think, you know, war has been stealing from us and, and making us uh you know ignorant to the fact that the fiat central bankers. But let's take a quote from Leon Trotsky who says, you may not be interested in war, Anon. Right, But war is interested in you, right? Whether you like it or not. <laughs> and so people have to kind of reconcile with that to understand the war we are fighting. okay, And that's basically what my entire research and thesis is about. And so I didn't have all these pieces, Robert, right? I was putting together some of this coin stuff and some of this other stuff, and I really didn't know how to frame Bitcoin as a weapon. like i I, I had no idea how to do it, right? because I, I just am not that smart. <laughs> However, we get this gentleman by the name of Jason Laurie come out in August of 2021. Funny enough, I found this guy immediately on LinkedIn and I immediately started posting stuff with him. And, you know, he talked about mutually assured preservation, a case for Bitcoin as the fourth leg of the US strategic deterrence. Now, funny enough, Jason's thesis is primarily about nation states settling disputes. However, I almost think his thesis is almost like a red herring. Because I think his thesis is really about people being powered to fight against their own tyrannical governments. Because if you think about Bitcoin as a weapon for nation states, right? As this ultimate nuclear weapon they can use, it literally gives the power of nuclear weapons into the hands of everybody. Right. Like we're not going to go fight with F-16s and tanks and all these kinet- We're not going we to have access to that as, as people, right? We don't have all these crazy kinetic guns to fight wars with. However, if humans we're given the same level of power to fight things with as nation states, in essence, right? We are on par with the most kinetic, with the most powerful energy or powerful weapon they have, mm-hmm. right? Which is, at this point, would be in a police- peaceful way, in a digital war, would be Bitcoin, right? We are an equal playing field. They can't come after us and say, oh, you're, 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 your tool or your weapon is can be used to harm other people, right? Because it's, it's non-kinetic. It's just information. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we have you know, um, Jason Laurie, who's basically um, told to write this thesis by, um, you know, CSO Raymond and um, the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff General C.Q. Brown. Okay. So these are gentlemen that are military leaders that um, are very important, as I believe, as part of this this operations plan. And so, you know, I'm just going to put a quote out from from Lori and it talks about sapiens, after sapiens suffer enough losses, they eventually become willing to do what surviving animals already do, project physical power to settle their disputes, establish control, authority over their resources, and achieve consensus on the legitimate state of ownership and chain of custody of their property. People who are eventually willing to spend the injury and risk the energy to secure the resources they value the way nature demands from every other animal in the wild. Okay. Okay. So Jason comes out with this amazing thesis. Okay, by the way, I think it's the most important work since the Satoshi White Paper because it breaks down the domestication of human beings and how we've been domesticated for a very, very long time. And this is his book, Soft War. Correct. This is this is a software thesis. And so, you know, I pulled some clips out of it, you know, and so, <laughs> you know, as being a red herring for nation states to um, battle each other, right? Um, he puts some little interesting blurbs in here and talks about Americans as insurrectionists. Okay. People who are defiant to abstract power, demissive of rank, disloyal to their king and capable of highly motivated to, you know, we were highly motivated to kill thousands of redcoats, to delegitimize their oppressive king. Okay. Their abstract power, right? This is what happened in 1776, right? Mm-hmm. We were tired of the abstract power being over in England, right? Telling us what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, The U.S. Constitution gives American citizens the right to free speech and the right to bear arms for the explicit purpose of empowering American citizens to delegitimize the abstract power of their government if it becomes too abusive or systematically exploitive, just like the British monarchy did in the 1700s. Whoa. Okay. Jason is telling you, (laughs) you can delegitimize their legitimacy. Okay? Mm-hmm. It comes back to coin, it comes back to insurgency, it comes back to all of this battle for legitimacy. Because we now have the power. Bitcoin or bit power is for the explicit purpose for citizens to delegitimize the abstract power of the dollar or the state. Okay? And so insurgency is primarily this political battle for legitimacy, mm-hmm. right? How you how do you delegitimize that
1: power? Um, yeah, I want to jump in here. So this is a very contentious topic in Bitcoin (laughs) circles. Jason Lowry is a very controversial figure. Um, he catches a lot of flack because he is a member of U S space force. A lot of people call him a spook, you know, other terms of derision because he works inside the U S government. But I think those that have actually, Listened to his presentations, you know, has, he's appeared on this show several times, uh, or read his book? I would say he's anything but that, right? He he's he is asserting that Bitcoin is one of these step changes in human socio-political organization, right? Almost like a new form. You know, he he caught a lot of flack for the framing as a weapon, and. I, this is this is this is tricky because one of the things I've learned doing this show and exploring the nature of Bitcoin itself, you really run into the limitations of language, mm. and I think that's why we describe Bitcoin as so many different things. This is also why we describe money as so many different things, and that it it serves different purposes in different context. and And Jason takes this framework um, as you know warfare basically being the dis- the final measure or the last measure of dispute resolution over private property or territory and humans have this animal impulse to project power to expand territorial dominion or acquire property right it's, it's sort of in us as like as a as a territorial species and he's basically looking at bitcoin as an alternative channel for projecting that power, right? Rather than projecting power in the domain of kinetic warfare, we can now project power in this global Bitcoin mining competition, right? To actually uh, serve the same function, right? Determining the, the proper ownership of property and the state and chain of custody, as he says. And so when you say it's a weapon, this is where he catches a lot of flack, but when I read some of the the military documents about the nature of warfare, they emphasize the point that it's very, it, it's uh, what is this called maneuver warfare, right? Warfare yes. is move counter move. There's not actually a bright line between offense and defense, right? I, I, we say this in football too, right? Uh, the best offense is a good defense. You know, defense right. wins right. championships, things like that. And so for me. I I don't know. This is just a point of humility. I think people need to take. You know, they get very um, entrenched. Like, oh no, it's not a weapon; it's a shield. <laughs> you know, like as if the word changes the nature of Bitcoin, which it absolutely does not. And for me, that emphasizes Bitcoin's almost transcendental nature. Right? It's very difficult to define. Just like money is very difficult to define. So I don't think it's any coincidence. Bitcoin is money. Money is Bitcoin. These are both very difficult to define in words. And as I, I wrote, and it's almost it's, so that can lead you to these somewhat paradoxical conclusions. And as I, I concluded my piece, "Masters and Slaves of Money," which is one of the most popular things I ever wrote. Uh, towards the end, I said Bitcoin is a weapon of peace, actually, which sounds right. paradoxical, but in the framework of what you're describing here, is we have been existing under tyrannical political hierarchies since time immemorial immemorial and Bitcoin is the exit, right? Or the, the opt out it is. I don't know if you want to call it a weapon or a shield, but it is an, an, ability to subvert exit and ultimately overthrow the very premise of the argument that we need political hierarchies to organize human beings. And it does that and it's like, okay, that sounds radical. Well, why, what is that? Well, as we've described earlier. Insurgency and counterinsurgency is this battle over legitimacy, right? What is the controlling narrative going to be? Well, what is Bitcoin? It is this legitimate, truthful, and unalterable narrative structure, right? Whatever is in the time chain is. It's inarguable, incontrovertible. Uh, It's something like the law of physics itself, which Lowry also goes into, right, that we all abide by the laws of physics because no one can change the laws of physics. And in a similar way, he asserts, and I agree, that we will all ultimately have to abide by the law of Bitcoin, because like physics, it is unalterable, it is unchangeable, right? When you can't bend the rules, you just have to play by the rules. And so kinetic warfare was us playing by the rules of physics, right? How how many yep people can we kill and with what technologies to assert our dominion? Whereas Bitcoin is is more like how much energy can we project in terms of operational and capital expenditure into the Bitcoin mining network to determine who owns what, right? Who has what share of, of the money supply? One of my highest health priorities is keeping my brain in top shape. To take care of my brain power, I do many things such as striving to read, write, exercise, and meditate daily. One of the latest tools in my Brain Power Toolkit is MindLab Pro. MindLab Pro is a nootropic supplement that is scientifically proven to enhance your brain power. When I take MindLab Pro, my mind feels like it has a better grip on the world, my thinking is more lucid, and the articulation of my speech is much more clear. MindLab Pro has been tested in rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials and has been proven to enhance brain power for users in every age group. MindLab Pro is an advanced formulation of 11 nootropic ingredients and is backed by research from 1,473 human trials conducted over a period of 32 years. So if you're looking to start enhancing your brain power, MindLab Pro is an excellent solution. Go to mindlabpro.com breedlove to start enhancing your brain power today. Again, that's mindlabpro.com breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian, Chris Rock. Insurance, you got to have some insurance. You got to,
0: that's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit.
1: And I give a company some money So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. You mentioned military memetics. Bitcoin is obviously just this idea, right? This this self-propagating, reproducing informational structure. Is this just the ultimate meme that we're we're saying that, you know, we've talked about these ideals for, again, centuries, right? The, The Magna Carta, life, liberty, and inviolable property. But now we have taken that... Imaginal or informational structure, and we implemented it into an actual technological reality. Is that why this meme is propagating?
0: Absolutely. And so, humanity was given a perfect weapon, a godlike weapon. Okay. And so, you know, I believe Jason Laurie used weapon on purpose. I believe if he would have used some other dumbed down phrase, he probably wouldn't have got as much media publicity over it. People wouldn't have been shocked and odd, right? It's part of the chaos Mm -hmm. that people have to wake up from. And so in essence, right? And no pun intended here, but like Jason Laurie is saying, hey, you bunch of domesticated pussies, you were given the perfect weapon (laughs) to fight tyranny with. And here you are still fighting over an ETF, right? Like in essence, that's what it breaks down to in my opinion, Mm -hmm. right? Because he says, right, humanity is going to become so tired of being systematically, systematically exploited at unprecedented scales to their computer networks by an elite, tyrannical, and technocratic ruling class, that they're going to invent a new form of digital warfare and use it to fight zero trust, permissionless, and egalitarian access to cyberspace and its associated resources. Now, Jason Lurie has a duty to the Constitution. He doesn't have a duty to the central bankers. He doesn't have a duty to, uh, you know, these different political figures. His duty is to the Constitution, which he has clearly stated out. So, people calling Jason Laurie a spook are are Bitcoin normies that don't really understand the battle, and they need to wake up, right? Because the only way, like I love this other quote: a right to an individual's property cannot be enforced without the right of the individual to physically de- defend that property. Ergo, the individual's right to bear arms to protect their life, liberty, and property, as it is important as a nation's sovereign right to protect its population, laws, and property. Okay. Mm-hmm. Retired Navy Captain Dave Corley is attributed with that quote. But, you know, um, 2500 BC, Genesis 47, slaves owned by Pharaoh were required to pay him 20% of their income, their crop harvest. Okay, this is a battle as old as time. Mm -hmm. 2022, the median US taxpayer pays 24.8% income tax along with 7.65 FICA taxes on his taxed income. He then pays sales tax, property tax, gas tax, and many other taxes and so, really, you're in a system of slavery. Um, there's nobody coming to save you. You were given a weapon. Now, no one's going to tell you that, right? You have to internally realize you've reached your red line, okay? This is a revolution. This is digital 1776. Jason Laurie is giving us the manual on how to execute and, and wield that power, okay? But, again, we, it all goes back to what you're saying, legitimacy. This is a battle over legitimacy, yeah. Um and, you know, are you going to continue paying taxes to a pedof- dementia, you know, flated pedophile in the White House? Or are you going to take your power back and become a sovereign individual and debase the state and their tyranny? Right. And, you know, um, that's, <laughs> you know, I, I, here's another quote that I, I, love to, I love to put out there. But, you know, I believe it is the duty of each of us to act as if the fate of the world depended on him. Admittedly, one man by himself cannot do the job. However, one man can make a difference. We must live for the future of the human race and not for our own comfort or success, right? That's Hyman Rickover. And so how do we change the balance of power, right? Forever. There's no going back after this, right? The the infinite player has been turned into a finite player. They have to win this battle. They have to get the CBDC. They have to defeat Bitcoin. It's either 100% slavery, Or 100% freedom. I'm sorry for the normies in the middle. Like, you know, you want to pay a little bit of taxes. You want to, like, the freedom is scary. I get it. Mm -hmm.
1: But there's no other way to fight this. Yeah. Um, Well, so, okay. Clearly, you've laid out a very compelling call to arms here. I have. However, the call to arms is different this time, right? Because the arms themselves, It's that opt-out, right? It's Bitcoin. It's the peaceful weapon, the weapon of peace. Peaceful revolution. Peaceful revolution. Again, have no faith in constitution. There is no bloody revolution. So this is the bloodless revolution. Correct. Yet that is a very radical statement and it's a radical call to action for most people, uh, especially those that are still plugged into the matrix of mainstream media, central bank propaganda, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, it, and it's something that's been conditioned into people over centuries, right? We've been, We've been living under systems like this for centuries, as you just highlighted, from ancient God King pharaohs who were, <laughs> who were expropriating taxes from slaves, uh, wh- which was actually a lower percentage than what the average American taxpayer pays today, as you just pointed out. What would you say to these people? that are maybe hearing this and thinking, wow, okay, I agree. It's a compelling case, but I am scared. I am scared to embark on this journey. I am scared of the state, the predations of the state. You know, I just want my normal, stable life. You know, I've got a job to protect and family and kids to provide for. This is just too radical, too much. Leave me plugged into the matrix. Like, What would you say to those who are scared to take up this call to peaceful arms?
0: The only fear one has is that of fear itself. Okay. And so I'm going to quote Thomas Paine. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Mm -hmm. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. Okay. And so I get it. It is scary, right? We are going into unprecedented times. Okay. But nobody is going to like make it easy for us in that sense, right? Nobody's going to come and save you. And so you're eventually going to be forced into this scenario, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not forcing it. Mm -hmm. The government and the tyrannicals at B are forcing it. And so everybody has their breaking point, right? Before that first shot gets fired digitally, peacefully, Mm -hmm. right? This is a peaceful revolution. And so eventually everybody's going to have their, their fed up moment. They're going to have their red line. Some of us have reached that red light a little bit quicker. Some of us see this as a military plan that we all have to work on together as united individuals to fight them. Again, we're fighting worldwide underneath a common flag against a, a central enemy that we know has been there for a very long time. And so, um, again, I'm not looking for everybody. I don't need everybody. I need those that are willing and understand the battle we're in to defeat them once and for all. And so, once we get that threshold, Robert, the masses are going to come, right? Like we don't really I'm not really concerned about that. I'm I'm out there to wake up the lions, mm-hmm. right? I'm out there to wake up the individuals who are kind of thinking about this but maybe don't really understand the whole battle plan here because mm-hmm. they're still thinking You know, maybe Jason's a spook. Maybe, you know, these Q people are crazy. Maybe Trump is still like this crazy person. But if you put it all this 40,000 foot view, it becomes very clear on what exactly is possibly going on in the background. And so, um, you know, but but like Robert F. Kennedy said, you've got kids, you've got a job, you've got this. I get it. But what's worse than dying? What's worse than losing your job? If you give, if you, if you die and your kids live in a system of total enslavement, What is your purpose here on this planet? You know, and and I ask that self, because I believe a lot of us have a calling. We don't necessarily understand this calling, right? But we are here to fight, right? In a bloodless battle. And we're not, our battle is not against flesh and blood, blood, right? Our battle is against the evil's powers of beat. Um, and so, you know, people have to understand their power. People have to take that power back, um, because you know, freedom is not something that should be just given away. It has to be earned. It has to be understood. And so, you know, when people finally get to that moment, I think they will understand this and be like, "Wow, it was sitting there all along." Mm.
1: It's well said. Um, a lot came up for me as you were saying that. One is, I think this is Thomas Jefferson's crest. I, I hope I'm saying this correctly, but. He said that, uh, or on that crest it is written, rebellion to tyranny is obedience to God, <laughs> right? It's, this is this is our nature. This is our, this is the, we are rational beings, right? We are self-owned and self-controlled. We should not submit to any authority other than our own. Um, and I agree, you know, Knut's Von Holm has sort of popularized this recently that you either take the orange pill voluntarily <laughs> Or you'll be taking the orange suppository <laughs> later, right? It's the 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 predations of the state via taxation and inflation are not going to stop, right? If you nope. just use history as your guide, they always push it until everyone's at a red line, and then you have a social revolt, right? So that's coming, whether you like it or not, right? You might not be interested in war, but war's interested in you. The war's at your doorsteps. Correct. And I think, you know, the people that have kids, that have jobs, that have stability, that don't want to be a part of this. Um, there's another, I don't know who said this, but there's a great quote that said that, "'If there be trouble, let it be in my day, so that my children may know peace.'" So to those that are fearful, you know, think about your children, think about the world they're going to inherit, and think about the legacy you're going to leave in their lives, right? When they look back and say, okay, this was happening, the evidence was overwhelming that things were changing, to say the least. Um, <laughs> what did my father do? What did my mother yeah. do? You know, yeah. so you have to consider that. And uh, uh, this is another, I was just throwing out quotes left and right here, but love it. There was one I saw at ARC. I was at ARC Forum this past week in London, uh, which is, you know, Jordan Peterson's consortium that's' it's intended to be like the anti-world economic forum right uh, an international consortium centered on traditional values and there was a quote he put up by Bob Dylan and it said a hero is someone who understands the responsibility that comes with their freedom so not only must freedom be earned but it it the, the other side of that coin, is responsibility, right? With great power comes great responsibility. So if you're going to have a transition of power from centralized social institutions to the people, there's going to be a simultaneous and inexorable transfer of responsibility, right? That you have to take responsibility for your own life, for the lives of your loved ones, and understand that no one is coming to save you, right? No matter what platitudes or propaganda you may have accepted in the past, it's simply not true. right? The reality of human action is that we're each responsible for our own actions. So for you, you're saying that you don't need everybody, we don't need the masses, we need to awaken the lions. Mm-hmm. For those lions that are becoming awakened or maybe maybe getting close to being awakened, what are the specific action items or next steps that you would suggest for them now i'm not going
0: to suggest people do specific things right i'm going to give ideas of how we fight a war against them right and this goes down to people's soul right because we've been dealing with endless lies endless wars endless inflation endless printing like literally endless oppression you guys who is going to put an end to the endless okay so That is obviously taking self-custody of your Bitcoin, okay? Now, the second part of this is gonna be not so easy for everybody to say. You are going to (laughs) have to opt out of taxation at every level you can, okay? And this is because you need to not only store your energy, but you need to tell them no, okay? Because consent is energy, okay? Your energy consenting to tyranny Gives them more power in a spiritual sense. Okay, some of us are not going to kneel to the God King anymore. Okay, so my call to arms is think of yourself as an individual and what you're willing to do to put yourself on the line, right? If you don't risk anything, if you have no skin in the game, then what does the other side of this thing look like? Mm -hmm. You know, people put their lives, their fortunes, and their entire systems against the redcoats, right? They, If they got caught, they were immediately strung up in a tree and killed. And like, you know, they were instantly put to death back in the day. So if you're not willing to give up maybe a little jail time or maybe something else to provide freedom and, you know, non-slavery for the rest of, of your children's lives, I don't know what, I can't make that decision for you. That is a very individualistic um, person's ideal that they have to make. I'm telling you, there's other people out there that are willing to do that, that are doing that, that are saying no, that will refuse to kneel, and that it will take this war directly. And again, we die on this hill, Robert. Like we die on this hill and kinetic- non-kinetically, right? Peacefully. But I will no longer consent to tyranny. Okay. And once Bitcoiners understand that this battle is not just about hedging inflation, this battle is not just about a Bitcoin ETF, this battle is the oldest of time. With We have help from our military, most likely, right? That are preventing the red lines of full nuclear war, full civil war. And they're pushing us into this digital battlefield. And they're throwing out a lot of information and disinformation. You have to use discernment. But in essence, it's pulling out the best of us. Okay. You are the new elite, right? The Bitcoiners are going to be the new elite, right? In some sense of the word, whatever, whatever that means. But... Um, you know, in reality, like people need to get in touch with their own energy, right? What is your energy telling you to do? Is your energy telling you that you should be paying taxes to a pedophile in the White House because you're scared to go to jail? You're gonna you're gonna live your life in constant fear of a God King because of um, you know, your comfortableness in your home and and in your thing? Like some of us, I think, want more than that. And some of us are willing to put ourselves out there to be. That bridge to help other people get across because we need more people, we need more lions, but there's there's a lot of us out there already, and so, um, you know, bridging the gap between you know what's funny about this too is that the people in the, the patriotic movement, right, the people that seem to be more right wing, they refuse the vax, you know, they look at Bitcoin like a mark of the beast, okay, they look at Bitcoin as like the antithesis of the digital slavery, they don't understand it, and then you've got Bitcoiners over here who understand kind of the financial battle, but they don't understand this thousand-year-old battle of corruption. Mm. But the thing is, is when we, when we merge these two groups, like we become unstoppable. But the problem is, is that everybody's stuck in their echo chambers. Everybody's emotional and has their current things. You know, the patriotic crowd wants to vote in 2024. Voting is not going to save you. Trump will probably not. They will probably rig the election again. You know, Bitcoin is in essence are mathematical, um, you know, maxis. Right. You you know. <laughs> so for, for some Bitcoiners to say that, you know, elections aren't stolen, like it's mathematically impossible to get one hundred percent of the votes at 3 a.m., you know, in an election cycle. And so there's certain mathematical equations that Bitcoiners need to settle with, not only on the Bitcoin side, but on reality side with with our vote, because voting is in essence just like the money printer. They control the ledger, they control the entire system of control. Oh. And so when you're voting on a centralized ledger that they own, of course they're going to come up with reasons to um exploit that right oh you know we had a water leak we had a gas leak we had to shut down the polling state. like they can use every every excuse in the book and so you're not going to win this battle through traditional voting like the revolutionaries didn't vote their way out of 1776 <laughs> they picked up weapons and fired against the enemy with kinetic weapons they had to fight they had to put everything on the line to defeat this enemy we need to start thinking in those terms we need to understand the battlefield we need to understand the forty thousand foot view that, hey guys, this is our path forward to defeat the state.
1: Yeah, and thank God that we're. It is, the arms are you know again, Bitcoin is a weapon of peace, right? That, the bloody revolution will just never work, right? Even if it appears to work in the short run, or even even in the medium term, right? You could argue that the United States was a very successful economic story because of the decentralization it implemented into its governance structure Independent once it gained independence from Great Britain. But again, it's in decline, right? It's now an imperialistic empire in decline. So it was not a final solution to that problem. It was just kind of a stopgap measure, uh, You know, some incremental progress perhaps. It got us to the internet, it got us to Bitcoin. But what we're talking about with Bitcoin is something fundamentally new, right? That we can pick up arms that are not physically, kinetically harmful. It is just really an expression of individual sovereignty, saying, no, no more tyranny, right? I do not consent to this. Do not consent. Absolutely. I consent to a consensual network, this consensual public infrastructure of private property exchange that is Bitcoin. And so I like the framing, you know, Bitcoiners as becoming uh, a non predatory, civilized, peace loving elite, right? And elite's obviously a very dirty word these days. Right. But it's not, there's nothing wrong with being elite, right? You want to be an elite athlete. You want to be an elite entrepreneur. You want to be good, right? In whatever domain you're operating in, you want to be the best but the problem is the predation it's the lack of civility it is it is the warmongering that's the those are the connotations associated with elite that are the real problem and so bitcoin lets us unplug from that matrix as you said it's it brings an end to otherwise endless inflation and inflation equals overgrowth of centralized power structures so let's try to end this this is all bit big and radical and perhaps scary for some people. Let's try to end this on a, on a high note here. Yeah. What does the post-digital 1776 world look like? What are we to be hopeful for? What are we fighting for? What is the unifying vision that is Bitcoin? And what future um, are we trying to usher into existence? Well, imagine, if you will, a society
0: were to discover a way to write down policies on C++ instead of parchment paper and then enforce and secure those policies using physically harmless electrical power, (laughs) right? So we no longer need to trust politicians. We no longer need to trust the state, right? Like this becomes a pure voluntary society. Of course, we are going to opt in to collective agreements of um, protection of things in society, right? That we voluntarily um want to be a part of, right? And so right now we're non-voluntarily being ushered into wars we don't partake in. We're not we're not, we're not, you know, in control of all the different propaganda and institutional programs that have forced um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, these these trend, trends transgenders the reading to our children, and you've got big pharma pushing you know, vaccines down our throats, and you've got all these state power, their state power comes from the monetary system, the dollar. And so all that ends. And that's the beautiful thing, Robert, we get to create this new world. It's our world to create. Mm. And if we eliminate some of this evil, and we give that power back to the people that are aligned incentives with furthering humanity's goals of a peaceful, egalitarian society, It's a beautiful future, Robert. Uh, You know, some people might say, oh, it's all puppy dogs and unicorns, but like literally we can almost get to that. Like we don't have scarcity anymore, right? We don't have famine. We don't have, um, you know, homeless. We we don't have people that are starving. Like we can actually fix a lot of the problems because scarcity is an introduced tool by the fiat bankers to attempt to game us into, you know, becoming these ever non, you know, these, these slaves that are just constantly working for for the next big thing because we're incentivized by by consumerism and all this other crazy stuff. But the the future is beautiful. The future is bright. We I've already won this war. It just hasn't ticked on or hasn't turn, you know clicked in people's heads yet to becoming this new society. Um, but governments become service providers. We can go any you know we don't even need borders at some point right because everybody's going to be competing. With your Bitcoin, they want you to move to El Salvador where there's no taxes already, right? Mm-hmm. Argentina, before the election, said, hey, we're going to get rid of taxes if you don't vote for, you know, Javier Malay. Like, mm-hmm. it's already debasing the state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, you can see where it's happening, but that's the beautiful thing. We don't know how how what the future looks like. We get to create it, though. Mm-hmm. And we want the best. We want the brightest. We want the boldest. And those that are willing to say no, I want those people on my team creating that new future. I want people like you helping me create that new future. And so, um, no, I think we should end it on a high note. It's a beautiful future and we have nothing but, um, but freedom to gain.
1: Beautifully said. G money. This has been one heck of a conversation. (laughs) Um, probably one of the most radical I've ever had on this show. Uh, I'm really anxious to hear feedback from people. Um, these are very uncertain times, but you know, again, thank God we have the greatest tool of certainty that has ever existed, which is just Bitcoin, right? Perfectly fair rules, perfectly transparent, perfect information. Um, it, it really is this this beacon of certitude in a sea of uncertainty. Um, this is awesome. I, I'm again, thank you for doing this. Uh, G Money. Sure. Where can people find you on the internet?
0: Yeah, so you guys can find me on Twitter at G Money Pepe. Now, the Pepe is not for Pepe Coin. People need to understand the esoteric names of, of Pepe being introduced into the Bitcoin blockchain. We can get into that maybe some other episode, but Pepe is actually kind of very important to this in a in a um in a spiritual sense. So not not the shit coin, right? And so G Money Pepe is my Twitter handle. Um, I'm also the host of Rugpull Radio every Thursday night on Rumble. We're on Rumble, ten thirty PM Eastern. Okay. Uh on Badlands Media. You can also find us on Telegram at Bullion Bitcoin BS, where we have about eleven thousand other people on there. And so, you know, we've got a great patriotic lion's den to where, you know, we welcome people, but um, you know, we're attempting to to wake the masses into this battle and and move forward. Beautiful.
1: Team Money, thank you again.
0: Thank you, brother.